Hello, welcome to the Veridical Podcast. I'm Jack Cesare. All right, I don't really have many new updates. Uh, one that comes to mind is I will probably be graduating from Dallas Theological Seminary this fall, uh, which means hopefully I'll be off to another institution by next spring. I will have a lot to say about DTS and its faculty and the teaching styles that go on there, but I will wait until everything is set in stone. Now, on to today's episode. Recently, I spoke about my philosophy of having guests on here. It's my instinct to want to bring all the coolest of my friends, but there's an atmosphere I'm trying to foster at Veridical. I want to bring individuals on this podcast who are going to contribute something to the discourse on important topics. And I believe my guest today does that very well. My guest today is Abraham Quinones. Abraham is a friend of mine. We met through a mutual friend, my pastor. And after sitting and just talking to him, I realized there is a well of knowledge and insight to a lot of the problems and uh, ideas of solutions we can have for the situation on our southern border. And I'm going to let Abraham do most of the talking. He is certainly the one that is most educated on the subject, because he is one that experiences it firsthand. This is my first interview on Veridical, and I didn't quite know how to structure it. I've been pleased with listening to the interviews, uh, at least the format, that Lex Friedman and Bill Maher have, and uh, I'll try to replicate that here. If it's not broken, don't fix it. And so with that, I give you Abraham Quinones. I am here with Abraham Quinones. Abraham, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, man, it's an honor to be here. It's a pleasure, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, so when I I first met you with Andrew, Mm. and I kind of just tagged along, and... I think I ended up being a better friend to you than, than he was. <laughs> but um, um, I remember when we met for at Wayward, I found out like 30 billion things about you that I just thought were uh, super interesting. And I knew right then and there, like, ah, I got to get this guy on the podcast. Yeah. I remember you were telling me your brother uh-huh. was into um, AI things and, and technical yeah. things, uh-huh. like computer programming or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but... I think me coming from Corpus Christi and where the dominant culture was Latino mm. and uh, where most of my friends were uh, Latino, uh, mostly Mexican, um, I remember being pretty uneducated to the system and how things were processed. I remember for, for the longest time, <laughs> I'm going to put a uh, bullseye on my head here, but I thought it would be super cool to be on the border patrol team. <laughs> I thought that would have been the most badass thing was to be on I the border on an ATV or in a helicopter. All the toys, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Just you know, you get to be like a true badass. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess as I matured a little bit and as I learned a little bit more, uh, me personally and. If there's disagreements here, I want us to disagree and, mm-hmm. and, and talk about things. I, I enjoy arguments. Um, 
I want a border that's secure. Mm -hmm. I want a border that's regulated. Um, I certainly think the process is arcane. It's Mm. too complicated. Uh, It doesn't allow well-intentioned or people that have a a need to leave their country for Mm. asylum or for refugee reasons. It doesn't allow them to uh, come in seamlessly where for such a developed country, what I believe is the most developed country in the world Mm. should be rather simple. Yeah. And I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. One of the, even though the the highest volume is uh, coming from Mexico, I, I just remember hearing stories about Cubans on rafts or canoes getting to the shores of Florida mm-hmm. and having their boats, you know, be told to, to turn around, you know, screw mm-hmm. off, just go go back, and you know, either the waves then get them on their return journey or mm-hmm. they return home to. You know, not 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 the most desirable place. Yeah. Um, so I guess just start off. Just tell me your story again. Um, tell me what you know, and we'll let the conversation uh, go from there. Yeah. So I think to to set the context for where I'm coming from, I was born in in the capital city of Mexico. So that's uh, the it's called El Defe DF. Um, I was born there. I was there for nine months, and then my parents brought me over to the states. Um, my, my dad came before my mom and and I ever crossed over. Um, my mom, this was back in the nineties. So before nine 11 immigration was a lot more, uh, I want to say lax, (laughs) uh, but it wasn't lax. You know, there was a border patrol that was, there was, there was a lot of security measures, but before nine 11, there was a lot more loopholes and different ways to get around getting into the country, one of which was how my mom got, uh, got a nine-month-old to the country, and that was she handed me off to a friend of hers that was a U.S. citizen, and she, my my mom's friend, took me on the plane because a nine-month-old doesn't have oh. a birth certificate or Social Security, <laughs> doesn't have the need for that. So my mom... You just get on a plane? Yeah. my like mom, a public plane? <laughs> exactly. My mom handed me off to this lady who brought me over to the States. And then my mom, um, crossed the border. Um, I think she went either through, through sewer canal. If I remember correctly, that was a sewer canal. And, uh, she got to the States. She got to Los Angeles and met up with uh, this lady uh, at a Seven Eleven, And, and she returned me back to my mom. Uh, after, oh yeah, yeah, that's so, no, but it's crazy. It's crazy because you're telling me this, and I'm like, "Wow, that's crazy." But I'm also thinking of that has to be one of the easier stories. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Ex- <laughs> and again, that sounds insane. Exactly. So th- that's what I. Well, that's what I'm trying to list when I say uh, that before 9/11, it wasn't that there weren't any measures against illegal immigration, but there was definitely a lot more different loopholes, different ways you get around the system. And that was just part of the economy of immigration. Uh, and I say economy because it is, it's money coming, coming and going, um, because people pay for the service to be transferred over here for people to be transferred, smuggling of people, essentially coyotes. Yeah. Coyotes. Yeah. And, uh, 
and that's an entire economy. That's an economy propped up by cartels, by different uh, different groups of people that benefit from it. And the harder it gets, the more booming the economy. Exactly, yeah. And so, you know, that, that was my background. I got to the States. Um, my context for being in in the U.S. has always been uh, knowing that I that I'm not supposed to be here, that I'm, e- I'm illegally in this country. Uh, for context, now I'm not. I'm in the process of of you know going through uh, uh, the residency through my wife. Um, but for the longest time, my knowledge of this country has always been I'm not supposed to be here. It's illegal for me to be here. But I've been here since I was nine months old, so. I know this country from the inside out. Um, you know it better than where you're technically yeah, supposed yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, and because of that, I've always been able to step into different different places, whether it's church, work, neighborhood, uh, any type of social structure that is that has a that it is painted in American culture. And I've been able to enter it, knowing that I'm not supposed to be there, knowing yeah. that I'm not, uh, I'm not part of it, but always having to pretend uh, to mm-hmm. to be part of it. Uh, and so that's always given me, and not to say I'm I'm you know special. There's so many people that are in my shoes. Uh, they just you just have to learn how to do that. And so I say that because uh, the conversation that you and I had at Wayward, um, a free shout out to Wayward. Uh, <laughs> the conversation we had at Wayward was about, you know, church ministry, church culture, and, and kind of um, being part of it, but also but also knowing the underbelly of it because I've, you know, I've, I've been part of church culture for 12, 13, 14 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and understanding just the, the overlaying, the, the, the top layer of, uh, church culture that is very conservative, that is very Americanized, but also understanding the underbelly of it, which is, you know, most churches, even for as much money as they might make, mm-hmm. they still, you know, there's still a, a, an underbelly to them. Uh, and you're a head pastor, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a co-pastor at a church in uh, in Farmer's Branch. Yes. Yeah. Um, so tell me, um, refresh my memory, sure. but also others, why... Was it too difficult for your mother, uh, mm. for her and for you to get over? Because uh, it's my assumption or mm-hmm. from what I know, it's it's rather easy to come with more money mm. or with uh, maybe not even money, but a, a who you know kind yeah. of basis. Yeah. Um, because you, you could actually be more guilty of something um and have more money and get e- get get over easier mm-hmm. than if you uh were more innocent with less money yeah uh, can that, you can you kind of sh- shine some light on how yeah, this, yeah. how the system yeah. works uh, the that's process a, that's a great dynamic that, that you 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 know you placed it in because it's not like i mentioned earlier it's an economy and just like any other economy, the access to the different str- levels of the economy are dependent on different value systems. And the immigration value system is, if you have money, you're going to get through a lot easier because, mm-hmm. number one, if you have a lot more money, um, you are able to do something as simple as stay in, pl- stay in place in the queue because immigration uh-huh. is all, 
immigration is there's a line. There's always a line to get in and to to get your your uh, profile processed. And if you have the right, if you have enough money, you're able to stay in the queue because you have to pay for uh, different forms. You have to pay for the attorneys. You have to be able to pay uh, for the processing of everything. You have to pay just just to get into the into the process could of you, it all. Could you sure. estimate how much? Like, so if you know, if we go back into the '90s, um, or maybe today, mm-hmm. do, can you to legally come to this country? Can you give an estimate? On how much you think it would cost? I think I could give it. I couldn't give an exact estimate, and it, that defeats the purpose of an estimate, right? But if I could compare it to like I'm going through the process legally now, uh-huh. uh, and so I've had to pay maybe three thousand dollars just out of pocket um, just to get an approval from the immigra- from from the U.S. immigration to say just their approval to say we will consider your case <laughs> now. Present your case. Now presenting my case is going to take upwards of maybe close to th- between three to five thousand um, dollars, because that's you have to pay for each form that you get. Then you have to fill it out. Then you have to pay for the resources to be able to take the time to compile your case. You have to compile your history in the country. You have to compile um, your history uh, through through your your jobs that you may may have may have not had um you have to compile your 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 living situation um you have to be able to put all those things together and then present them um while also you know you have to make a living somehow so yeah. you have to work um and i'm and i'm guessing you mentioned an attorney yeah because most of it's you could file on your own here in the country legally you could submit all this paperwork on your own but the issue is always, uh, you know, just like dealing with with the IRS. Like if you make one mistake on yeah. any of those forms, <laughs> you, yeah, you you just shot yourself in federal the federal prison. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So with immigration stuff, you want to go through an attorney because an attorney at least can take up some of the liability or can kind of steer you through the process a little bit. And I'm guessing know. since it's not a criminal court, they don't give you one for free. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's legally. That's being in the country, having to pay, you know, all the, all these fees and, and and everything that comes with it. Illegally, if you want to start the process, it's. And last time I heard from somebody who wanted to do it legally, you have to request the forms. You have to you know fill out forms, and you have to go through an attorney because you have to present your case to to INS. Wait, wait, you have to do that to come here illegally? No, legally. Sorry. Oh, Sorry. No, like, no, 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 like, legally. What forms for... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a my name, hi, my name yeah. is sticker. Can there. I rob a bank Yeah. Now? <laughs> no, no, legally. To get in legally, uh, you there's there's forms you have to go through and that can also take up at least $5,000, like just American. Um, and that's, again, like if you're coming, if you're trying to present your case legally... If you have money, then you can take the time to go through the process. Is it an exaggeration that I've heard some people wait, uh, you know, up to a decade? No, no, that's not 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 a the INS is so backed up. I, I mean, it, the immigration uh, uh, processing centers are so backed up. I mean, I'm just to give you context. I'm going through this process. One second, I'll say I'll, I'm going through this process legally, 
And my attorney said, hey, it's probably going to be a year or two, maybe a year, year and a half for things just to get processed. Um, it took us maybe eight months just to get the initial, hey, we received your paperwork. Wow. Um, and and that's because there's only two processing centers in the States. There's no. a processing center in Nebraska and one processing center in California. You're kidding. And they are processing the entirety of all the petitions that are coming into the in, from the country. So to, all those numbers of people saying, you know, a thousand people crossed today or whatever, if all those were coming in legally, legally. I mean, you know, I'm, you're, I'm assuming there's tens of thousands. Yeah. Maybe a uh, hundred thousand trying to come here legally. Yeah. And these two centers with government paid employees. Wow. That's strangely it's a, yeah. inefficient. Yes. <laughs> it's a stranglehold. It's, it's a, it's an immediate stranglehold on, you know, just, just the dignity of those people having to process, you know, their employees or people, they're not going to, they're, it's their job to do these things, right? They're not, it's not a nonprofit center. <laughs> that's they insane. Ha- they have wow. to go through all that. So, so that's, it's not just money. It's, no. I mean, you might be waiting up to a decade to do this. Yeah. So I remember I was arguing with this guy. It must have been three or four years ago. And it was the the typical, just come here legally, no problems. Yeah. Um, those are the most punctual people. <laughs> um, but uh, I was trying to, I, I think I was only 20 at the time. And I was, you know, I was a super lib back when I was 20. But I was trying to tell him, I said... Dude, you got to have thousands of dollars in a country that doesn't have the sexiest economy. Yeah. No one says, let's model our economy after, 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 Me- after yeah. Mexico. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you got to get thousands of dollars. Um, keep in mind, you know, a lot of these people, just think of a place like um, Juarez. Juarez. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, it's hard for me. Even when I when I watch a documentary about Juarez, what's the difference between Juarez and Fallujah, Iraq? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. not much difference. Yeah. And um, have you seen the Sicario movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I know those are Hollywood movies. Yeah. Would you say their depiction of some of these places? Would you say it's? You know, if you talk to some of the people that that are from like, there, would you actually find someone hanging from a bridge? You, that's not uncommon. You know, that's just, <laughs> yeah, that's not. The, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's just it. It would be to put the to place that dynamic in the in the context of what it means to live in America. It would be like living in the city of Carrollton and just like knowing that the police around you at any moment can they're just sellouts. yeah yeah they're all sellouts, which means that the judges are all sellouts, which means that city hall and everything that is surrounding you at any moment can be bought or taken out from under you, and they're bought. By cartel members. Yeah, so yeah. so uh, what gangs are here for America, cartels are yeah. for, for Mexico. Yeah, and, and the, that dynamic... But even, even gangs here don't uh, have that much of a stake exactly. in um, institutions mm-hmm. like courts and, and law enforcement. Yeah. Wow. And again, that that's why that dynamic to, to American culture is just kind of strange because it's... I, I mean, again, you, you you said that a couple of years ago, you were, you were going back and forth with this person and... I've had those those conversations, and um, sometimes the strangest thing for people to be able to take in is just the idea of um, 
the idea of, I don't want to say central government, but the idea of even your local government being so bought out and so inefficient Mm -hmm. because in our, in our American context, if your local government was that inefficient and that just bought out, you would have almost an insurrection. Yeah. And I'm saying that yeah. with, you know, with <laughs> tongue in cheek because that's what drove people to such a point that they wanted to, that they are that uh, leveled up on, 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 on hate and discord towards. Well, it's, it's interesting you're saying this because I, now that I'm truly taking a, a bird's eye view between the two cultures and systems, the same people that would say, you know, come here legally, uh, and your response is, well, maybe that you know they don't understand what it's like to have a, um, a a sellout government. It's strange because it's the exact same people that would say, oh, our our government, you know, it's you know they're fucking sellouts to the, to the liberal mob. They're they're sellouts to um, you know the Rothschilds, or, you know, or or whatever. They're they're sellouts to, to big to, pharma to, to Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ph- big pharma. Um, you can make that comparison if you and and I've again in conversations with people, the idea of cartels, the idea of this this criminal enterprise that that takes over an entire country and just drives people to flee, you just transfer that over to to the U.S. or big pharma is able to. I mean, we've got billboards. I've exp- I was explaining this to a family member earlier this week. We've got billboards you know, kind of trying to raise the awareness of like fentanyl is this dangerous where yeah. we are losing people. I see one, one that's a, one of them's written in Spanish over at yeah. Sil- Sylvan 30. Yes. Yes. I yeah, see, yeah. I, yeah, I've and seen that. Fentanyl mata. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you asked me like, how, how strange would it be? How, how normal is it to be able to go to a place like Juarez and see a body hanging from, from, you know, from a bridge as as we're driving past the billboard, I'm not seeing a body hanging from a bridge from the billboard, but I, there on the billboard are plastered the faces of people who died because of fentanyl. And it, the, the the alarms that are going off in this country regarding fentanyl and regarding this whole um, this whole epidemic, they're going off because people are raising the awareness to say, hey, there are there are companies that have been just giving this stuff out and 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 making fentanyl circulate in places to where it's so accessible it's just getting sold to all these all these kids and all these and all all kinds of different people fentanyl's a at least for me it's a rather uh new thing mm-hmm. uh i remember 2016 2017 uh for kids my age, yeah, yeah, it was Xanax, yeah, 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 I, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the Xanax, the Zannies, yeah. You even had a, a the rapper Lil yeah, Xan, Lil Xan, yeah. <laughs> marketing, <laughs> of it. yeah, Xanax. Um, but uh, I just took a trip to Canada uh, to St. John's, Newfoundland, and even there, fentanyl was mm-hmm. everywhere, like like a like a cancer. Um, so you would say fentanyl is not a over the border drug. I mean, it's all the way up in Canada. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, so, so maybe a lot of the people that would say, you know, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, uh, whatever. Well, fentanyl isn't coming. Uh, maybe it is, mm-hmm. uh, but it, that might not even be the primary generator of it. No, maybe not. And I, as as we're talking here, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember the name of the family that was recently. Um, Taken a court, not recently. The family was taken to court a couple of years ago 
because they were they were involved in big pharma. They they're one of the families that mass produced fentanyl and, and enabled it to to get. So we thought fentanyl was a good medicine at one point. Yeah, I mean it was part of just you know it's part of the circulation of what was in the country and different drugs. And there was a whole ordeal maybe two years ago about the ex, the uh, the exposure. Uh, through investigations of how hmm. fentanyl was just getting, it was constantly fentanyl and opio opioids because the opioid uh, epidemic in this country is is huge. It's wiping out again. Just flip the dynamic of Mexico has its cartels, Venezuela has its cartels. They have these this this uh, infectious um, this infectious group of people that are the cartels. To not not need to take that too far, but the cartels are taking over all these towns and ripping them apart and and having people leave in mass exodus. You flip that over to the American context, and in the Midwest, they're getting wiped out because oh, yeah. all these towns are getting wiped out from how much uh, opioids have taken over the economy of an entire city, driving into a point where a lot of a lot of the Midwest is constantly struggling with issues that the Native American or the indigenous uh, peoples of this country have had for years before that, which is people on reservations have uh, raised the alarm on how much how much uh, opioids have become an epidemic because, oh, wow. because on reservations, <clears throat> jobs are scarce. It's not that easy yeah. to be able to make it out. And so most people are driven to OD on something. Or you know, to, I remember when I was doing, I did one year of my undergrad at A&M. And that's right. You told me that, yeah. We, we had to read Hillbilly Elegy by mm. J.D. Vance. I've heard of it. Who is now, I don't, are you familiar with J.D. Vance? I've heard of him. So yeah. he was, all I knew of him was he was the author of Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah. And now he's a Republican candidate. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's running for office. Yeah. I haven't spent much time listening to him. Um, I don't hear great things, but uh, whatever. I don't. I can't really speak much on him, on his uh, political platform. Yeah. But I remember reading Hillbilly Elegy, and it was strange because you know it's the, the Appalachian region, mm -hmm. these middle of nowhere towns, yeah. ravaged by drugs, yep. and poverty, and um, it wasn't really a race thing, but more or less a class thing. Yes. Of these places in the middle of nowhere, and similar to how you're talking about these reservations with the, with the natives, uh, you just can't get out. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, what do you turn to? This is the most frustrating thing, uh, particularly around drugs. Um, I don't know if you agree with me. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the legalized all drugs movement. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, I can see the argument. Um, a lot of people say, um, well, anyone who would do drugs if they were legal is doing them now. I don't think that's true. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think it's true. Um, I don't really uh, smoke that much here. But when I was in Canada and it was legal, I was like, maybe I'll smoke. Right? <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah. Me and my girlfriend were, were walking with it. Maybe we get some weed. Yeah. You know? So I think just on my level, I don't know, where it's legal, I want to do it more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. at least... Try yeah, it. it's an enable. Yeah, it's an enablement. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of. I could imagine a lot of couples. Like, hey, maybe we try cocaine mm -hmm. now that it's legal just once. Uh, but but anyways, back on topic. Um, a lot of it. A, a lot of people uh, argue that uh, the immigrants uh, 
are, are correlated to drugs. And yeah, I mean, I, I believe it's true. I mean, the the big one of the biggest businesses over the border is is drugs, um, and people uh, just arguing that well, we'll just don't do them. Yeah, certainly do not understand the socioeconomic factors. Uh, I believe in free will. I believe um, in the capacity to choose. Uh, but I don't believe it's an on and off switch. I believe it's certainly a spectrum of free will. Mm-hmm. And I believe the more restraining factors you put on an individual, their free will uh, decreases on the spectrum. Yeah. You know, if I take away your job, if I take away your wife, and if I take away your kids and I um, put you in a dark room in a, an apartment on the third floor next to a skyscraper where you yeah. open your window and you see a brick wall um, on a street with unwalkable sidewalks and not a single tree for four miles. Um, yeah, I believe your breadth of opportunities is limited. There. That's a great way to, yeah, that is <laughs> because that, that's, that's the, uh, man, that's the dynamic of where, that that that's where immigrants yeah i mean like you i mean not to interrupt but no no go. yeah I'm, I'm thinking even though it's a hollywood depiction i mean just reverting back to the the two documentaries i watched on juarez if i was in juarez what what are my opportunities what exactly. are my choices mm-hmm. well you know you just choose not to uh participate in drugs or choose even even not to um not to say it's permissible but even people selling out to the cartel. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Right. Um, I'm going to tattletale on myself here. Um, I'm going to raise some, some red flags. I'm actually in a, in a, in a chat, um, with many people and it's, um, it's, oh man, I'm just wondering if I should say this. It's, it's, do you remember when maybe when you were in high school or college do you remember watching those? Yeah, like E-Bombs World. I, I figured that might be a place you're... Just I, like I mean, terrible videos. Yeah, I'll put it on the table for you. I Thank you. Dude, yeah, you I, 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 saw, I, saw a, um, I saw an article that was just, re- you know, kind of making awareness to, like, this officer uh, this week who was executed in, in Mexico. And it, I, it was in Juarez. It was another bordering uh, area. An officer who was... He was working for a cartel in his in his city and new cartel came in kicked out the old cartel they took him up they they roped him up they you know they recorded him uh, you know basically confessing to what he had been doing up to that point which was he confessed to the to how he was working with the cartels he confessed how he was um he was enabling insurrections in the different parts of the city that he was a police officer in. And once he admitted to that, um, the cartels told him, you know, just warn everybody that this is what's going to happen to them. He warns, you know, the the video, whoever's watching the video, and then they shoot him in the head with a shotgun. And, um, you know, well, yeah, yeah. you were going like that was, that's just a police officer in this. this, That's a nobody. Yeah. That's that's, that's, exactly. I was, so, so I'm part of this chat and uh, they, send most of it, I'd say about 80% of it is Ukraine-Russia videos, which has um, really formed my position on Ukraine uh, to, be, to be a lot stronger. Um, there's a lot of debate on the Ukraine, and I, 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 Ukraine conflict, and I've 
talked about it um, almost too much now on this podcast, but uh, I watched these videos of um, both Russian and Ukraine, yeah. U- Ukrainian uh, GoPro footage and um, you know drone footage and seeing um, what this landscape is um, and uh, what, what Russia is doing to this landscape. Um, yeah, it's insane, but to stay on topic, um, probably if that's 80%, the rest of the videos are just insane yeah. cartel videos. And, and I watch these and um, I don't mean to tattletale on her, but I show them to my girlfriend cause I'm a, cause I'm a psychopath. <laughs> Desiree, look at this. <laughs> Isn't this crazy? <laughs> and she hates it. Yeah. She hates it. Uh, so I got to stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's just the, what I'm seeing happen to nobodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not nobodies. They're somebody, but as far as the hierarchy of command, yes. I mean, these are just civilians caught in the crossfire mm-hmm. yep. or, you know, grunts yeah. in these cartels. I mean, skinned alive, you know, chopped up, starting at the feet. Um, and, and the, the watching you, you, you really see a different view of things when you, when you're looking at the eyes of a dude who knows he's going to be dead mm-hmm. in the next 10 seconds. I mean, looking into his eyes, um, the most recent one I saw was absolutely insane. They had a, a 50 caliber sniper rifle, a Barrett, and they, they stood them up and then they, it was, it was so surreal because it was so strange to mm. me. So these two guys, they're standing there, their arm, their hands are tied behind their back. And, um, the, the guys in the video, I guess are saying, all right, wait here. We're going to go down range. And they just stand there. Yeah. And I'm like fucking run, run. Yeah. <laughs> run but then i'm only i'm only imagining what they told would happen if they did run yeah so they're just standing there and yeah. the guys walk in and they're just walking casually they walk about you know 25 yards they lay the gun down and the dude lays down on the ground and then he shoots them and they didn't run they didn't do it mm-hmm. and i was telling my girlfriend i was like i wonder what these guys did because it's i mean they're probably not as far as crime goes they're probably not innocent yeah in that world yeah yeah maybe they snitched maybe they did something maybe they've killed maybe they've done worse yeah but watching this i they always make everything so real because it's easy to talk about well change the city you know <laughs> make what is nicer yeah um make it more walkable yeah add, add some trees <laughs> fix the yeah. sidewalks yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't maybe you guys have a why <laughs> put, a, put a public library <laughs> Or read something, yeah, yeah. watch a Jordan Peterson video. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but I'm watching this, and I can only ima- it makes everything so much more real. Yeah. And uh, I sit and think about you know the the single mother of two. Mm. Uh, how far will she go? Yeah. To to get the get the, the kids out of there. Yeah. And it made me think of a quote I, I read regarding the um, Syrian refugees from the civil war there, and uh, looking at these these rafts. That, um, you know, if you gave me a hundred dollars, I could build you a better one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just wooden string and they put, uh, children on yeah. these rafts yeah. to come to America across the entire Atlantic ocean. Uh, you can imagine most don't make it. Yeah. And, um, you know, someone asked, why the hell would you put your kids on that piece of shit raft? Mm-hmm. 
thinking you're going to get across the Atlantic yeah. Ocean. Someone said, you, know, you wouldn't do this unless the waters are safer than the land. Mm-hmm. And that really sat with me because it's like, it's, well, it's, it's not that these mothers and these people, they're not stupid. They know how dangerous this is. Exactly. And they, they probably know they're going to die. Mm-hmm. It's still safer than staying yeah. here in Syria. Um, I don't want to just get caught up on stories and, and anecdotes. I want us to to really have a um, sort of bird's eye view and, and maybe uh, step out of our comfortable shoes and into someone who's trying to make this process. Uh, can you, from what you hear and from what you know and from what you know to be the the process, can you, how how is it that it's so dangerous to cross illegally. Why are coyotes and what, is it because it's such a, you know, you have no other way of getting to America. You have to go through me so I can name my own price mm-hmm. and then I can do whatever I want to you mm-hmm. because uh, the typical story, I mean, the I think the worst story that I heard was, you know, a 13 year old girl or, or 14 year old girl and she had like uh, 20 different DNAs inside mm-hmm. of her. Mm-hmm. Which, not to spell it out, but yeah, twenty yeah, people yeah. raped her. Yeah, if you know, fourteen. Um, that's on top of whatever money uh, was given. What is the dynamic of coyotes? Uh, what what can you say about that process? You know, you you outlined the legal process. What does it look like to come here uh, illegally? It sounded like you got probably best case scenario. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Going through a, a freaking sewer line. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know my experience is it's just family members who have had to you know take that that course of action, and also just friends and different people that I've met who it's it in my in my world uh, that's just you know that's one of those things that is going to get brought up at some point or another. Um, I think I'll I think I can just. I think I can address it by just saying it's it is, it's the fact that you the way you put it like there is there's only one way to get in. You're not going to make the round trip to get around, uh, you know, and any other on any other area into the U.S. You're gonna have to go through these ports through these ways of entry, and all all the entry points are all owned. By by you know an entity that is looking to capitalize on on the specific need, it's it's find need, find the need, address the need, and cartels address the need by exploiting it, um, and they're they're gonna do it because that's just how they make money, and they're gonna exploit it because that's who they are. They're not <laughs> they're not nonprofits. Yeah. Uh, so that to say, um, that process is always. I cannot emphasize enough how dehumanizing it is because in order to in order to actually be able to get through it you have to accept the fact that what you're going to have to do you become a product. Yeah, you have to. It's it's like it would be like, you know, I think if you had to put it in the in the most safe and cute way I don't know if you've ever watched Paddington. Um, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. No, I don't know if you thought this conversation was going to go towards Paddington, but uh, in the movie, uh, you know, he he leaves darkest Peru, and the easiest way for him to get to London 
is he just sneaks on a uh, he sneaks on a cargo ship and his his uh, his aunt uh, helps him get into a boat and uh, and he has to just sit inside of this boat and eat marmalade uh, until huh. until the ship gets from Peru to to London and it's a cute story you know it's a cute yeah. it's a cute bear with just eating cans and cans of marmalade until he gets to Peru but it, I mean you just put a person in those shoes and it's yeah. It's it's dehumanizing to know that you are going to be stored, packaged, and transported. And uh, you know, Walmart and Amazon, and they get damaged goods. Yeah, and you just yeah, mark it. Yeah, you just mark it. Um, if you're a, a coyote, I guess, and you got to smuggle a hundred people over, fifteen of them drown in the Rio Grande, uh, or uh, you know, some of your guys rape and kill two of them. And you just mark bad product. That's it. Yeah, and you move yeah, across. And you got seventy five of them over, eighty five yeah, of them over. Yeah, and that's huh. uh, you know some of the some of the stuff again because and this goes into the grand the grand scheme of you know a topic you really love to talk about. And I, I love it. It's the, the problem of evil, which is just you know the the issue that you the, the the hard part is the temptation is to think there's one person to blame or there's it's the cartel's fault or yeah. the cartel is this nameless faceless figure that at any point can be led by anybody who just takes power. And because of that, a lot of the coyotes, a lot of the people that they assign to transport these people, sometimes it's 15, 16 year olds. Sometimes it's just teenagers. Sometimes it doesn't matter. These cartels are just looking for anybody who wants to make more money to transport these goods. Yeah. They don't have OSHA. No, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) There is no body of regulation on how you're going to get these humans from point A to point B. You just have to get it done. And you know, and I'm sitting there with my American capitalist mindset of, well, the most efficient and safest way will be the most uh, prosperous. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the market will regulate itself yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the uh, safest way would have to be the most expensive way. Yeah, And uh, exactly. People ain't got money. Um, that and that's the source of you know it's it's the most vulnerable and to look at this through the eyes of the creator right through the eyes of God looking down on on his creation it is the most vulnerable people and the most vulnerable of situations people who have have had to come to grips and admit they are li- they are leaving behind everything that has given them identity up to this point in mm-hmm. their lives they're they're making some of them, they don't get to make peace with it. They just got to leave. They have to leave everything that's made them a person up to this point, and they have to subject themselves to the loss of dignity in order to just get to a land where they are fighting to survive. It's degradating. Mm-hmm. And in the people in control are people who are not going to take pity on that because there's nothing that you know there's nothing that the cartel takes pity on it's just yeah. and and that's again you can't point the finger at just one being or one person and, you know, i've i've heard stories of, of people that that were snuck over who you know cuz once you the idea is a lot of people think you just cross the border that's it you, you made it you uh-huh. still have to get to wherever your point of you know um your point, uh, 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 your rally point, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. And, you know, on this side of the border, there's still such an operation to get the people from the border to wherever they're going to go. And the, some of the stories are 
on this side of the border, there's 16-year-olds driving these cars because it's just someone telling a 16-year-old, go to the McDonald's, wait at the McDonald's, five people are going to come out of a manhole, you just got to open the door for them, they're going to get in the car, and you need to drive them from the McDonald's over to this one specific house in this specific neighborhood, don't ask any questions, don't don't delay, just get to it, and a thousand dollars are yours. And that, I mean, I'm not talking, oh, that was just like hearsay. Like, that is people. That's a norm. That's a norm. That's just normal. And do, do you know of, uh, I'm just going to safely assume you're not a part of the cartel. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know uh, if the cartel operates on this side of the border? And if so, uh, how much? Oh, yeah, 100%. And by, by, you know, trying to quantify it, Obviously, I mean, who, yeah, who can? The, the federal government is constantly trying to quantify. If we knew where they were. Yeah. Yeah. If you knew what the problem yeah. was, it wouldn't be a problem anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's the good old meme, like, ladies and gentlemen, we got them. Uh, yeah. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. But I mean, you, you, do you, if you want a tangible, just in your face example of how this works, um, I want to say two, three months ago, city city of Carrollton was looking for an 18 year old. He was like the drug. He was the person who was who was enabling and 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 uh, running the most fentanyl in Carrollton at a, at a certain point. And they had traced the death of two or three teenagers in the Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD uh, school district. Um, they had traced their they had traced their deaths to the overdose on drugs that he provided Hmm. and so you know so the government so the police department was trying to get to him um so that they could pin the debts on somebody yeah and that's what a lot of law enforcement or these investigators just we need someone we need someone yeah we We need need someone someone. and they found this guy he's 18 he's 18 he's not he's not a a seasoned well-worn veteran of the drug criminal underworld he's an 18 year old who just got you know he was down for what somebody else told him you know hey i got this large shipment if you want to move it you can move it and you make you know crazy profit off of it that fentanyl wasn't coming from (laughs) there there isn't some drug lab down the road from him where he's just getting it there is a direct connection and like we mentioned earlier this fentanyl is not getting mass produced in mexico and then shipping all the way over here but there's a cartel that is financing wherever that fentanyl is coming from because the cartel is not cartel is not operating and maybe breaking bad gave some people uh, a clear insight into like the cartel is known for paying for people to go to school get their degrees get jobs in specific places well they where they will check the boxes to enable product me and my girlfriend just finished Breaking Bad. <laughs> well, I've, seen it, I've seen it like five times, and she would send me Breaking Bad memes because uh, there's a million of them. Yeah, and it's not until you you look at these memes you're realizing, dude, all the memes are from the most tragic parts of the show. <laughs> this is so bad, uh, and it would it was really unfortunate because so she would send me these memes and I'd be like, Have you even seen Breaking Bad? No. <laughs> What do you? <laughs> what do you mean? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So we watched it, and it was so bad because she saw the memes before the show. So these scenes where you know his family members are dying, yeah, or yeah, yeah, packed up, and she's yeah. sitting there laughing. And she's like, "That's from the meme." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there, 
<sighs> holding my breath. Really, yeah, this is really dark stuff. <laughs> this is really babe. bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I mean, to not to not make you know, uh, I don't I don't want the audience to feel like well, these guys didn't know anything. They're just quoting Breaking Bad, yeah, or trying to well, yeah, well, making a case for immigration again. This was a case two three months ago, and you you know you can Google it. The local police department found this eighteen year old. They were looking for him. They talked. They had to talk to his parents to figure out hmm. where is he. We're looking for him because this kid has enabled and produced, well, not self-produced, but he has carried the distribution of this of this overall um, fentanyl that has been that has been outsourced through the entirety of Carrollton, Louisville, Farmers Branch. So even if you just had to take in that into, which is a lot more easier to take in for somebody who's just, you know trying to take in this entire idea of how a cartel operates and everything. It's an 18-year-old who is responsible for maybe three small to medium-sized cities receiving mm-hmm. all of their their product, um, and then in there, you know, being responsible for the death of multiple high schoolers. And it's just this one 18-year-old. Again, he is not producing this fentanyl on his own. He is receiving it from a larger entity yeah. who is able to pay. For the for the making and supplying of all that fentanyl to arrive at his doorstep, for him to mass produce, for him to mass distribute. So, how does the cartel operate on this side? They're financing, they're enabling, mm-hmm. they're they're making the networking connections. Because the, sure, this eighteen year old went to prison, and he did. He got locked up. He was sentenced. He's been taken away. But they'll just they're just gonna get. There's, there, yeah, there's always there's an somebody, endless supply yeah, of people who want to make exactly fifty grand every two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, there's, I know you're sort of pressed for time. There's a million things That's I want to talk I, about. I got a, I got an hour. Sick. There's, so one thing I'm, uh, people hate it when I get philosophical because it's never realistic, it. but <laughs> well, it's, it's never realistic, but that's the, 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 the crappy part about it is I am, a firm believer in following ideas to their logical conclusions mm-hmm. to their most extreme methods. If you have a, a law, not like a, a federal law or like a, a, a criminal law, but I'm talking like a, like a, like an idea. Yeah. Uh, and you use this idea, it needs to work to its, ex- to its most extreme circumstances. You know, the common example I give is, uh, you know, the death of Christ covering, all sins. Mm-hmm. I mean, that means all sins. Yeah. I and, and I and I really stand by that. And so, you know, some people say, well, you know, there's some people, um, you know, just some people too far gone. Is the idea of too far gone? Does that work with the idea of Christ's death? Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Nope. Uh, there's no. There's supposed to be no such thing as too far gone. Um, that's just an idea, I think, of following things to their their most extreme conclusions. If you're going to say this 18-year-old is uh, enabling, can't you follow that up and say the system that makes um, the cartels flourish, the system that makes immigration impossible, this system that puts two processing centers for America's neighboring country... <laughs> And we got we got two centers, one in Nebraska. Again, of all places. I'll emphasize there uh, because it, it just to emphasize, 
two processing centers for people in the states to make their case for why this isn't for the people at the border. This is for the people who have it better than those at the border. Oh, this is for two processing centers. This is people already here, already here. Able to. This isn't people in Mexico trying to come. No, 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 no. This is for people. This is for people here in the states. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so I mean. I just, me with my armchair and my glass of whiskey, I want to say, well, if you're going to say enable, who's really enabling yeah. this? Um, of course, no one's willing to follow that all the way up the ladder. <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, I, I don't want to be one of those 18 year olds, um, on Instagram, you know, a social justice warrior. Yeah. Um, but the you know, one thing I've complained a lot about uh, here on uh, the podcast is uh, so many people are burdened by how much money we're sending to Ukraine. Mm. And I've always I've always argued this is a pressing matter. And now's the time where we set an example for what we as um, developed and uh, powerful nations mm-hmm. are going to tolerate in this world, not just America, but. Uh, a lot of the countries in Europe, Canada, um, now's our chance to outline yeah. what's permissible. And if you're going to let um, a guy, um, a, a madman, a Soviet loyalist, yes. loyalist, if you're going to let this guy invade Ukraine and say, you know, this is Ru- new Russia, <laughs> um, you know, someone who's on record saying uh, the fall of the Soviet Union that's the biggest catastrophe yep. of the 20th century. Yeah. Not the Holocaust, <laughs> not the Armenian genocide, not World War One, not World War Two, not how close we got to uh, annihilating our species in the Cold War. No, yeah. the worst thing is the fall of the Soviet Union. Yep. A big bummer. Um, this guy, if you're going to let this guy invade Ukraine, now certainly there's more uh, angles to it. This is the crudest example, but people say, why are we the world's policeman? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? I mean, first off, he invaded Georgia in 09 or in the 90s. In the past 25 years, Putin's also invaded Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the 80s or 90s, he invaded Afghanistan. Uh, not Putin, but, 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 but Russia. Yeah. What in people's minds thinks he's going to stop <laughs> at Ukraine? Right, like, I got Ukraine. Uh, I'm good. You know, <laughs> yeah. We'll draw the line yeah. here. It was just this one place that I feel was, was stolen from the Soviet yeah. Union. Um, no, Poland, no. No, yeah. no, Poland can stay. It's not like we were originally allied with Hitler yeah. and we're going to get parts of Poland. Uh, Georgia, we invaded it once, but, uh, yeah, we're not going back there. It, it's insane. Um if there's one place where I think money and uh, arms should go to, uh, this is, if you let Putin have this, what example do you set Mm -hmm. for the rest of the world? Mm -hmm. China is watching this conflict unfold with the, the biggest pair of binoculars because if we say, well, a lot of the world relies on Russia's oil, a lot of the world, you know, we need Russia... In the in the global uh, economy, yeah, you know maybe Ukraine is part of Russia. I don't I don't know. You know, there's Nazis in Ukraine. Yeah, you know, let them have it. 
who in their right mind doesn't think Xi Jinping is watching this and is looking at Taiwan like, you know, Taiwan's kind of part of China. <laughs> you know, who thinks of Taiwan that much? Yeah. You know, they got, you know, there's racists in Taiwan. Yeah. Look at these criminals in Taiwan. We can go in and we can fix this. Um, I'm not going to make this podcast about Ukraine. It's just something that's been bothering me yeah. for, for year, a year now. Um, that is one area where I think money and ideas mm. should be funneled into. Um, I'm not, I don't like conflict. People call me a warmonger. Um, but this is something I've been wrestling with a lot is where do you invite the use mm. of force? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just finished rereading uh, Rosa Brooks' um, How Everything Became War and How the Military Became Everything. Yeah, I saw you talking, yeah, talking about how uh, more and more tasks are being delegated to the military. And yeah. also, um, you know, how do you define a conflict? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's not like uh, we're, you know, World War II or even Vietnam where it's um, sort of a clear enemy. You know, Viet Cong, Nazis, uh, Japanese where the soldiers are you know, wearing a uniform, mm-hmm. they have a flag, mm-hmm. and uh, they have an idea. Um, there wasn't any doubt who was a bad guy in World War II. Exactly. Um, nowadays, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's the 18-year-old in Flower it's Mound. It's the 18-year-old yeah. in Flower Mound. Yeah. Um, and to be clear, I'm, I just I pulled up the article just yeah. to be sure that I'm not just you know saying things without context. The 18 year old I was referring to earlier, who who, who was uh, pro, who was. Do they have his name on there? Yeah, his name? name is Stephen Paul Brinson, 18 year old who lived in Flower Mound. Flower Mound, uh, lived with his parents. He was at his parents' house, Flower Mound. A flower mound man is facing a drug charge after federal investigators say he supplied drugs containing fentanyl to a juvenile who was who overdosed. uh, Department of Justice said on Friday, "This is again. It's it's an 18 year old in a city that's well known for being well off in Flower Mound. Yeah, and uh, and it's one it's one guy who's supplying who's supplying uh, who's dealing out death. If we were just to take you know kind of." Uh, leaning yeah. into the, some of the, the words that get used for conflicts or war. It's, it's a, it's a dealer of death. And that's so what this guy's doing. Uh-huh. This is my, my predicament is a lot of people say, well, you know, Jack, you're a warmonger. You, you call for military intervention on everything. And, uh, well, not really. I, I think diplomatic measures should always be the first and, um, significant effort should be made to, um, find cooperation with people. And uh, as this goes on with Russia, I'm all for talks of peace. Um, I certainly don't believe you say Putin, leave, leave Ukraine, <laughs> and we'll just go back to normal. Yeah. Uh, no, there's a, a, an entire yeah. country leveled and thousands and thousands yep. of deaths. Um, and uh, not to mention, you supplied your army uh, with prisoners. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, there's going to be some, some trouble here. Yeah. You know, we didn't let Germany, uh, go after two, two wars, you know, the first one, you know, you had the Treaty of Versailles or whatever, which, um, you know, punished Germany heavily. Um, very heavy handed. Yeah. You you know, you don't, uh, let them go, but you do try to, I'm utilitarian, you know, whatever saves the most lives, uh, you do that, but there comes a point where it's, how willing is this person? How willing are they to talk? Um, how willing is the cartel to find uh, peace? Mm. I don't think they're they're quite willing. No. Um, you know how willing was Joseph Coney? Mm-hmm. 
in Sudan? How, how willing is this guy to stop abducting and raping children yeah. and making them kill their parents? How willing is he? How, how much can you talk to him? And people say, well, we're not the world's policemen. Let countries handle their own issues. Uh, Sudan can't fix its own issues. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think anyone needs to even watch a documentary on Somalia to know Somalia is not really in the, in the democracy business. Yeah. So, so what do you do with a place like Somalia? I mean, we drop food. A warlord picks up every food crate. Yeah. What do you do with a place like that? And it always confused me because, you, you know, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, uh, Boko Haram, these, these, these terrorist cells, it's easy to say, you know, we're at armed conflict with them. They're all the way in the Middle East. You know, we send troops there. But when I look at the death toll, when I look at the crimes, when I look at the treatment of people, it's hard for me to not see the cartel mm -hmm. as a force dissimilar. Mm -hmm. And when I watch these videos, I tell my girlfriend, I'm like, I would much rather get caught by ISIS than get caught by, uh, you know, MS-13 or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I would much rather, you know, please, if I had to choose, please, um, you know, let the Taliban get me. Just anything but these guys six miles south of here. Yeah. Uh, what am I saying? Ten minutes ten away? Mi ten minutes from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you, feel free to disagree. Do you, do you think there should be intervention? Man, that's, hasn't that always been the joint, question? Joint operations yeah. with, with the Mexican government? You know, I, the other, the other POV here is, is, you know, what does it look like in Mexico? They elected a president, uh, AMLO, who is, he's been notoriously trying to fight, you know, the drug empire. Okay, good. And he's been trying to fight it by trying to uproot corruption in the government itself. He and probably gets uh, assassination attempts oh on my the God. daily. <laughs> and, and on the other he side. He probably lives in a box. <laughs> <laughs> he gets the other side of that also. He gets the, I was just talking with my dad yesterday, and my dad is a lot more plugged in that I'm going to be into Mexican politics, but I was just talking with my dad yesterday, and he was like, he was like, the thing he's getting accused of the most right now is how much he's trying to push communism and how <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I, I heard him say that. I was like, is it the same playbook? It seems like it's the same playbook here. Or like anybody you're reading Marx. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I mean the, the apparently like in Mexico, the, the issue that, that, that he's being, uh, and, and I'm not, I, again, please don't hear me say like, I am the authoritative view on, I'm the expert on what he believes and what what I know for a fact is that he's been trying to fight corruption, trying to uproot it, trying to fight against the cartels. He's trying to he's tried to push back on them as much as he as much as he can. Um, and but some of the country is now pushing back against him and feel and some of what they're pushing back against him is believing that he is just implementing communism through through some of the literature or some of the policies that he wants to implement. And I look at that and I'm like, it's what it's here in the States. Anybody like, it's not exactly the red scare, but it's, Oh, well you're, you know, anybody who tries to, to talk, to speak on the behalf of the public good or, or anything like that it, immediately, you know, somebody on the right wing tends to yeah. push back and say like, you're trying to. Noam Chomsky was talking about how even our, most left individuals are still quite conservative. Mm -hmm. And he's you know, talking about the conservative culture of America. And he said, can you think of a socialist political commentator here in America? Well, you can't. Um, I'm not saying I'm, 
pro-socialism, but um, there's not even a commentator. Mm -hmm. You know, calling someone a socialist or a communist, um, it's like calling them a a terrorist. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan when I read the brochure for communism. Um, I don't see the most (laughs) dazzling past of it. But um, what did Oppenheimer say in a in the movie when he's talking with the other professor and he's like, "I've gone to the meetings. All all they are is just a bunch of postdoc uh, yeah. students just talking Communist, about yeah, yeah. talking about the same things over and over again." Yeah, um, I've been my, my Instagram unfortunately thinks I'm a socialist, <laughs> so I actually just uh, my, my algorithm is just full of you know anti state propaganda. <laughs> And I'm like, oh no! <laughs> they think, <laughs> they but think you it. know, the worst part is, is like, I watch it. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, know, I mean, to get back to your to your point, the question you asked me, like, I remember here in Dallas specifically, there was a movement called the Sunrise Movement. I don't know if you followed them. They were like, they're very much like, hey, we are a socialist group trying to you know push for the socialist good of the city of the people of the city. We have of a Dallas. budget of twenty bucks. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it was I, I've. It was them, and then there was a group within their group that kind of splintered off because they were also very much uh, like, hey, the Sunrise Movement wasn't socialist enough. We're really trying to pursue it. <laughs> we're we, the real we, Yeah, we got a budget of five bucks. and yeah. uh, <laughs> But it just, it just it, it made me, it just gave me a more tangible example to look at things through the, through the eyes of the kingdom of God and just look at how military intervention, these guys pushing out towards... Uh, a socialist good. So many of these things are just taking swipes of what only, you know, the like what you mentioned earlier, only Christ and his sacrifice can do. Mm. And that is the full redemption of a broken creation back into its purpose. And the purpose being um, this earth being a, a the fullness of the, of, of, of the glory of God and the, the, the restoration back to, uh, you know, what God intended and created and all that's the, that's the tension of walking in this earth is as a believer, we know that we know that all these things are just, they're just great value, uh, you know, budget versions of what we know that only, only the real solution can be. And then, but we still got to vote. We still got to make a choice. We still got to do things. And some of these things are just, yeah, I, I love that in, in, I love that the word of God says that the manifest wisdom of God is displayed through his church. Um, because they, I, there's some churches that are there again, and Western context just goes like, how can we help? Yeah. Yeah. Them. And yeah. there's, there's churches in Ukraine, there's churches all over these places and they are, st- they are some of these, these churches out in those spaces, they are, they are fighting in the war, you know, that, what, what the word of God says is like our 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 war is not, our fight is not against flesh and blood, yeah. but is against principalities and powers and all these spiritual uh, forces that are pushing against uh, the will of God being being done in those places. And I say that because when I when I ask that when you know the question you asked me like what, military and intervention and I just I've just grown so much more towards the side of that's the temptation to be hmm. so drawn into that space. What can flesh and blood do, right or wrong? What can huh. flesh and blood do? And more and more, I've grown to 
to get a sense whenever I, I started leaning that way to, to ask myself, yeah, but flesh and blood is only going to be able to do so much. Yeah. What can the blood of Christ do in those spaces that flesh and blood cannot get done? Um, well, I think we found our, our first point of disagreement. Um, you're obviously infinitely more well-versed on it than I am. So I admit my, um, fighting an uphill battle, but it's, it's just so difficult for me to, um, think there has to be some solution. Um, I, I, Talk with um, you know, this one lady of mine, lady of mine, kind of, <laughs> kind of sentences. Yeah, is your girl listening to no? <laughs> this lady of mine, this lady of this friend of mine yeah. who is a lady. Um, and we got um, oh, man, I wish I could cut that out. If only I was more technical with uh, this podcast interface. I'm just too uh, barbaric. A lady of mine, um, this friend of mine who is the um, wife of a friend of mine. Okay, uh, we we argued over um, the value and the role of institutions, mm. the distrust in them, and I kind of said, "How do you plan on navigating? Uh, how do you plan on eight billion? You know, probably going to be nine billion soon. People navigating the world mm-hmm. on Substack newsletters and mm-hmm. podcasts, uh, where anyone can say anything." You talk about the the disinformation warfare. Yeah. Um, to think that, um, you know, the CDC is the 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 biggest um, contributor to disinformation, mm-hmm. but then we're gonna go read um, Substacks for our for our news. Yeah. We're gonna get our medical advice yeah, yeah, from yeah. our our chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my friend, I'm going to the doctor. Where's that? The chiropractor. Your chiropractor is not that a doctor. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, but yeah, yeah. you don't need uh, vaccine advice yeah. from from your chiropractor, yeah. and you don't need um, um, you, you don't need to be uh, educated on history from PragerU. You just you, you're not gonna get. Um, you need to go to the professionals and the institutions, and I know there's a lot longer of a conversation there, but and it, I want to meet you there because. Uh, you know, I, I, I went on the, uh, uh, where I started walking with to talk about the spiritual realm. Cause that, you know, that is, that means a lot to me, but also that yeah, let's put it on the table for, you know, something more tangible sound of freedom. <laughs> yeah. I haven't but, seen it yet. I haven't seen it either. I want to, but, but I, I need to experience it. It, it. it so much of that movie was, I, I, I found myself like just pushing against that movie because of how many voices I heard saying, "You like, this is our stand against Hollywood and against, oh yeah, you know this, this, and that." And I'm like, "Hollywood is making money off of this. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Stand against? Like, what is this? What are all the profits from this movie going to every single kid who's been trafficked? It's not. There's mm-hmm. a studio making money off of this. Every movie theater that's showing this movie is making money off yeah. of this. What are you talking about? All that to say." That conversation, all the sound of freedom conversation, always draws me back to yes, there's a spiritual component. Yes, there's a spiritual warfare going on. Yes, the kingdom of God is always, you know, being we are either bringing it into all that stuff, but there's also real solutions, right? There's always like with the issues with sound of freedom, 
yeah, there's a lot of uh, child trafficking. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of human, uh, there's a smuggling and all these things going on. But where the solution tends to get drawn is go buy the movie, go, <laughs> go, go buy the movie, go purchase tickets for the movie, go support the movie. Hate Obama. Yeah, hate Obama. It, it, it's, it's some uh, it, one of the things that really hit home for me about that movie, and maybe some of that might just taste for people pounding the table for that movie was I go to Caesar's Tacos sometimes. I know that. Oh my I, gosh! <laughs> the four AM Savior. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I live. I live right. Like there, there's only an alley between me and that taco place. Oh no! If you're from Oak Cliff, you know where what I'm talking about. It's I live in a Money unit. laundering scheme. Dude. <laughs> there's yeah. no way that I can go to Caesar's Tacos at four in the morning <laughs> and get you know, catfish. <laughs> there's n- there's and they do serve. Yeah, yeah. I know it, what you're it's, talking it's about. It's either fake, which it probably is, or their money laundering scheme. Because you can't be open 24 hours, they have 80 menu items. And be making a profit. Zero overhead. <laughs> zero overhead. There's that, but, no yeah, way. There's, there's zero overhead back there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it, yeah. I'll keep it there. But I say that because if you've gone to to Caesar's Tacos, if you've gone to uh, laundromats in this area, they're missing children posters everywhere. All the everywhere. time. Yeah, and it's not. And I was telling, I was having a conversation about some my brother. We're not talking about cases. Three, four, five years ago, there are kids going missing. Last week, yes, yeah, they, they, it's happening all around us, and it's not some QAnon or you know, oh, Hollywood's coming and taking these kids and well, Substack says differently. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. it, but I say that because it's it's. I say that because uh, I'm I'm talking about the idea of like, oh, it's it's over there. It's yeah. not right here. Yeah, if it was your neighbor's kid who you knew was in danger, what would that change about the way you vote for your specific policies in your specific neighborhood? What would that change about where your money goes to when you spend to go out to eat, when you spend, uh, how are you calling your, you know, your representative to talk about safer, safer roads? Yeah. Um, and I say that like you know to keep it it's super local, super yeah. super niche. I once heard my brother and I love biking, um, and when we once heard our, our our representative here in this district, he was making a case for biking, and he he was talking with these two uh, podcasters. So he's a socialist. <laughs> <laughs> he was Bike doing claims? away. He was doing away with cars. <laughs> uh, but he said. He said, uh, yeah, I, I totally feel safe biking around this area. Like, I bike to work. I bike. And my brother and I were like, like where is this dude where biking? Where is he living? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, it is not safe. You know, Highland Park biker, dude? <laughs> no, he lives here. Uh, <laughs> his name is Chad West. And I was like, dude, half these roads that are that do have bike lanes, the, the posts get knocked down. They're, they're <laughs> always dirty. Diesels of Dallas. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know who they are? I, I've heard of them. I've heard of them because of a friend that drives a diesel and he, he put me onto them. Oh, no. But, um, but all that to say, like, it's it seems like such a small issue, right? Like, it's just bike lanes and it's one person making a case for them versus not. But it, it just informs, like, hey, this, this is not a very – the economy of this – immediate neighborhood looks very differently for, for different <laughs> sets of people. Yeah. And we can, you know, I can talk about the kingdom of God and what that does. And we can go off on the, you know, how we push back on cartels, how do we push back on, on these, uh, these, these tyrants that are pushing back into Ukraine. 
but it's even here in the neighborhood. Like, yeah. how do you push back against against evil coming into into the streets surrounding us and having the ability to snatch up these kids and take them? Yeah, and that's not that's not a uh, that's not a like, but we just need to, you know, we need to have a prayer visual and, and make sure that, that, you and know, watch the, sound of freedom. Yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah. not, it's not that. It's also like, what was the last time you, you, you know, do you know where your money is going to when it comes to how these kids are being fed at school? Where are they going for lunch? How, what programs are they allowed to, you know, where yeah, you don't are they see going? The, the missing child posters in Highland Park. Exactly. You don't see them there. And you, um, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it is something, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, heavily ingrained in the uh, socioeconomics of a, of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing I always notice and I always, uh, I'm always sure to point it out is you will not find a psychic or a crystal store Ooh, in Highland Park. You are hitting the nail, dude. You won't find them. I mean, but where do people need, exactly? where can you, where do people need to be able to just go in and buy good luck? I mean, where do you, dude, merchants of good luck, you're hitting you. Wow. No, but it's, it's yeah, I mean, yeah, I, go, yeah. I go into these shops because I'm just so yeah. damn curious. Um, me and my girlfriend went into one across the street from Wayward. The Botanica. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I went in there and I was like, I just got to fucking look at this thing. Yeah. Uh, and I go in there and it was, I just, I took pictures, dude. And one of the most insane. Yeah. Because it's, it's you can go to the, this bookshelf, right? And there's, there's a Bible there, a King James Bible. And right, I wish I was lying. Right next to the King James Bible, there's... Uh, like a book on angels and how to become one. And then next to that, there's one on um, you know, how to get uh, you know, nirvana. and what the, But even those are more orthodox religions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, dude, let me tell you, behind the bookshelf, there's spray cans. So, you know, you get the good luck spray. Okay. And then you get the good fortune spray. I don't know what the difference is <laughs> between those two damn sprays. Uh, but next to those was a Jesus spray. So you spray the Holy Spirit around your house it blesses your house yeah and then i I made the gambling spray give you better luck while gambling there was one for businesses uh it was like bring more traffic and i I almost went up to the counter like you guys should use this one this one will will, uh put some people up here i don't know why you guys are using you know show some faith in your product all right i love it but but my but my point on a serious note and it pisses me off i actually get i get furious because you know uh, I, I really on this podcast. I want to get one of these fucking psychics mm-hmm. on this mic. I want to. I want to hear because I, I truly. It's. It's. I don't think it's satanic. Um, I think it's. It's just marketing mm-hmm. off of people who have bad luck yeah. or or are in a, a a terrible neighborhood, and and it's it's you you don't see these in even nicer the mm-hmm. slightly nicer neighborhoods. It's only in the where the where the conditions are the worst. You have people selling, you know, fucking rocks. And it's it's so, again, it goes back to the point of like, oh, grand scheme of things, how do we push millions of dollars into areas where they might need the help? But at a local level, it's, hey, do you think that if people had affordable health insurance, if you think that they had access to healthcare, immediate access to healthcare for little things, like, you know, I, I need glasses, I my head's hurting, whatever. Do you think that if they had clear, good access to those points, do you think that they would have to chase other avenues yeah. to try to find another way to just get to to better health? They so, wouldn't. So let me kind of rephrase the the question again. I want to bring this back to sure. the uh, the policy on on military intervention, or at least uh, intervention with law enforcement. Do you think if um, 
military, uh, maybe not even military, but maybe a a new sector of a pseudo law enforcement, a, a intercontinental law enforcement with um, um, with Mexico or uh, mm-hmm. international. Um, do you think that would do more harm or good to the cartels? Because I know you know you you kill one thirty, take their place. Um, do you think uh, force in, against my my point is is we had no problem after 9/11 with spending 20 years in the Middle East mm-hmm. for a force that in my mind is asymmetrically less intimidating than um cartels mm-hmm. um i think maybe it's because it's closer to home yeah and maybe it it is in home that it's um you know, less, um, less tempting. But when, when I think of a, a force that isn't willing to sit down and talk and is, um, I, I would be, I would be curious to see lives lost to the cartel versus mm-hmm. lives lost to, uh, to terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now That'd it's, great. Yeah, I, I think, I think right yeah. now more people die from lightning strikes and terrorist attacks mm-hmm. every year. Uh, at least that's what I, what yeah, I, yeah. Um, certainly, yeah. uh, at, l- at least one person dies every day to the cartel. Yeah. I'm willing to, w- I'm willing to put my money down. One person today mm-hmm. is going to uh, be on a video, uh, getting cut up. And, um, so, so there, the question that I think a lot of people have is, is there ever a point where intervention is viable? And a lot of people say, you know, we shouldn't be the policeman of the world. Uh, to me, it's not, it's not even being the policeman of the world. It, it's being a policeman of here. It is, the, yeah. The, the it's stuff, our own border. It's here. Yeah. It's here. Yeah. But also more than that, it's I, I think if you know, I go to the the elementary example of if you see someone getting bullied in school and you do not uh, mm-hmm. intervene, uh, you might as well be bullying them. Yeah. I really believe that. Yeah. Especially if you have the capacity. I don't know if you're the 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 most profitable and most powerful country in the world. You have the capacity mm-hmm. to do something. Yeah. And um, I can hear my friend Hunter. Tell me, well, look at our history of intervention. It's not good. Well, it's true. Uh, the, the history of U.S. intervention in foreign politics is not um, a stellar history. Um, you, you know, 20 years of a war against people using Soviet-era technology. You know, people, um, you, know, you know, they didn't have better tanks. They had zero aircraft. Mm-hmm. And they kept us there for twenty years and took thousands of lives. So, so, so our, our something's wrong with our with our method. Um, if you could just, I know it's infinitely more nuanced, but if you had a choice of yes or no, we intervene with some level of force against cartels uh, working with yeah, the Mexican government. I mean, would I you can, be for? I can, yeah, I can meet you there already and say yeah. I, there has to be some type of. There has to be some type of of. Um, Number one, ownership. I, I think about the, um, there's a tangible example between, uh, a tangible example about, you know, kind of that the, that harmony at the border to mm-hmm. not sound so, you know, sorry, so uh, dismissive of, there's a culture that was already vibrant there. And it's not just, I'm not talking uh, a, um, like arts culture or something like that. There's a very there was a very specific harmony to how the the border towns worked between the states states 
and, and Mexico. And one of those examples was, for example, this guy that is, he's currently taking um, uh, Governor Abbott to court <laughs> because because of the the um, the buoys and the uh, the entire uh, the operation that Governor Abbott is is putting down at the border right now. Can you can you t- tell us about that? Sure. So uh, I think I want to say last month, maybe two months ago, uh, Abbott's administration decided that because and I mean they literally point the point of the finger at Biden. And they said the Biden administration is allowing for is calling for open borders. They're not policing anything down here, which of course they're not. It, exactly. I, I never actually, I never meet a uh, liberal or a left of center individual saying, "Let's have open borders." I actually haven't heard that. No, I've never heard that. Never. I don't think anyone's arguing for that. Nope. It's not. It's just easier to say that. It's easier to just go. But the point is. Uh, yeah, Governor Abbott uh, pointed the finger at, at the Biden administration. He said, you guys aren't taking care of the border. Therefore, what I will do is I will set up a bunch of buoys and there's video, there's photos. It became a, a big media sensation. There's They lined up a bunch of buoys on the river, on the Rio Grande. And uh, the buoys aren't just you know floating out there. They have, uh, they have wire. They have wire in between them. They have... Um, I can't remember what what the specific blades are, but they have they have specific blades so that if you know if you try to swim out to a, one of these buoys and try to grab like on barbed wire, yeah, a barbed wire. Thank you. No, yeah, and, and they set them up so that you know so that as immigrants are trying to come over, if once they cross the river and they they want to reach out to to hold a buoy, they're gonna they're gonna get severely damaged. Um, they yeah, so he set those up. He set those up. I mean, you can look, you can look him up right now. And um, he set those up, and and he, because he was doing that, because he was setting those up on the river, because he was going going through Has this entire. Died? Oper- no, I mean, I've not that I know of, right? I, I haven't oh. been, but what I do know is that once he set them up, there was a big, the Biden administration uh, t- took Abbott. Uh, I don't want to say to court because I can't one hundred percent remember that part. But the point that I was trying, that I was beginning with this to say there, there was a businessman, businessman down in the river, down in that area, who is taking Governor Abbott to court because this person is saying, I have had a, a great, uh, a, uh, a great um, job here. My job has been to take people down the river to show them, you know, kind of what the river does and. I've been a guide. I've had my entire tourism stuff. yeah tourism stuff, um, and this guy was like, he was saying like, I've been here all my life. Yeah. Like, there's always been a harmony between those of us that are on the states and those of us that are on the on the other side, and their harmony has never been. There's always been issues, but it's never been disrupted. I've had a great life here. I've grown up here. Da 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 da, da. and now my business model is getting disrupted because what governor Abbott is doing to disrupt the natural course of this river is disrupting my business yeah. and it's tearing my, it's taking my livelihood away. Uh, and I, and excuse me, I'm the, I'm the Texan. Yeah. I'm the U S I'm the U S citizen and I'm getting disrupted because the decisions that you're making to protect me. So it's an example yeah. of like, yeah. All right. Well that, you know, what, what is the solution to, well, if we needed intervention, I wouldn't call Abbott. <laughs> um, so I don't uh, I don't know how much time you have, but I want to be practical here. Sure. Um, in however long you have, so let's pretend ten minutes. Okay. Tell me how to fix everything. 
<laughs> um, seriously, I want I want to shine. Um, I want to. Oh, yeah, let me look at these pictures. Oh my gosh, they're like razor blades. Mm-hmm. Oh my, dude, it stretches like the entire length of the river. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's not just wow. It's not just like, oh, we're just going to set it up for one mile or a different point. This like, isn't like a, a tiny thing. Uh-uh. No. Wow. Yeah. No. So, I mean, in the 10 minutes, like to address your, your question you, you posed. It's just, I, it's just, what do you, what do you, I, I know it's, it's, um, that's probably an, an eight hour seminar on, on what are some practical steps forward. Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate, you know, you're not in politics and I'm not in politics. So we can't, it's not like we can really, um, yeah, but as outsider, much, but, but ideas. Yeah, stretch, outsider go, go looking far. in. Outsider looking in is, it's all it. You know, you can you can only be responsible. You can only truly be responsible for the areas that you are being incarnational in, and and you know, this is a sermon. I would be like that. I'm going to say that again, but it sounds it's very Christian language, but it is, it's you know policy policy that is not immediate in its na- in its neighborhoods is going to be very difficult to actually uphold and i say that because for so long the policies that are being uh the policies for the border for immigration are being discussed and and, and diced up and 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 quartered in states so much more further away than the actual border hmm. um and and so far they're just so removed so it's a lot easier to just think bad guy, good guy, right? Yeah. But but the idea is, um, like these border towns, like they've had ways of living through, they've had ways of living through this th- these situations for years, decades, um, and in Mexico, so I I think sometimes the, the 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 issue with receiving immigrants is thinking that they wanted to leave. <laughs> right like you when you sit down and you talk with immigrant a lot of these i it, when you sit down and talk with a lot of them they'll talk about how beautiful a lot of the places they yeah. the nature the the natural beauty to a lot of their their home areas is you know something they miss and they didn't want to leave no it wasn't something they planned they didn't want to come to a country where they were going to have to start from zero and yeah and learn a new language yeah what about this is yeah. desirable yeah. yeah i mean and like even that, even that, just beginning from the point of saying, "Hey, the people that are coming here, they don't want to do this. They don't. Yeah. This is not a takeover. You know, they're just reaching out for what they can grab onto." Do you remember the uh, the the caravan? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that was framed as like it's like a military convoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember Charlie Kirk was big on their military age men. Yeah, and, and he, he had to. Yeah, he had to address I it. Saw that the way. drone picture of it. It's like <laughs> donkeys and women. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Go on yeah. 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 All that to you. say, like, even that framework, even just the framework of of maybe even the framework of policy in which the policy tends to say, "Oh, these people, we have to make space for the people because they they want to stay," instead of we have to make space for people who are just looking for a better some a, a better situation than where they came from. If there's any way that we can make their home situation better, yeah, they would welcome that. I've always felt a hundred percent. Yeah, I've always felt uh, one of the bigger solutions isn't 
um, I mean, I think a necessity is making the process to come here mm-hmm. uh, easier, more efficient. And as you pointed out, one of the qu- quickest and probably um, easier ways the government could do it is more centers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's an easy... Uh, we're in the year 2023. You know, we have um, some of the most insane technology at the most insane rate. Um, we have the most robust military. We have the highest GDP. Um, there's no reason we're still doing this like it's the, the 80s. Exactly. Uh, but but that's a, a short-term thing. I'm, you, I've always felt stopping the problem at its source. Yes. Um, if, if Juarez is a livable place, no one's going to leave Juarez. Yeah. If, um, you know, Mexico City is a livable place, I know a lot of parts of Mexico City are livable, but, um, you know, what are some, Tijuana? Mm-hmm. Um, TJ, yeah. If, if, you, if you make these places prosperous, there's no reason to leave. Yeah. Um, do you think that starts at a local level within the communities themselves? Uh, it's not like, yeah, like we said, you know, building a sidewalk's not yeah. going to get uh, the cartel out of there. But do, or do you think this is something or do you think the government is so sold out and is so corrupt? Do you think it's so sold out you have to start at the government work down? Yeah. I mean, in Mexico, that is that has always been the case. It, it's just always been the case. I mean, and in, to, in Amer- to American ears that again, th- there's a certain faction of American people in America who would say like that is, you know that's the Biden agenda. Like it's no different here, brother. Uh, but if I were to tell you that for 50 years, the, all the presidents have been Republican, or if I was to tell you for 50 years, every president was, was a Democrat, you would immediately be like, that is, how is that even possible? Putin keeps getting reelected. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And here, and that's what happened in Mexico. They had one party who for over 50 years just kept winning. And then the 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 guy who who was different was uh, Vicente Fox. He was the he was he was a different party. And Is he after, still alive? He's still alive, but I mean, his <laughs> term ended, and and he was uh you know he left, and after him, they were you know, it just kept going. The dynamic didn't change a whole lot because mm-hmm. what's one guy gonna do after fifty years yeah, of the same the same issues? So yeah, in Mexico, the problem is just there is a nameless, faceless hub of corruption. And that it has just permeated over all the years um, throughout all of Mexico. And therefore, there's very little in Mexico that, and I should take that back because, again, I'm, you know, that, that's speaking for an entire country. So much of, uh, of the space in Mexico, so much of the space in Mexico has take, been taken up by corruption. It's really hard to just grab one area and say, all right, this is. This is the this is the solution. We grabbed it. We we taking hold of it. Do and, cartels operate south of Mexico? Oh yeah, 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 and yeah. So the rest of South America. Yeah, yeah, because that's so. Uh, this is much bigger than yeah, America you, and Mexico. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, you know, you talk. I was just talking with someone two weeks ago. I was t- speaking with two individuals who, um, one was from Venezuela, another one was from Venezuela also, and they were both. They just arrived here a couple months ago, and they were they had. They arrived here a couple months ago. They got to the border. They they turned themselves in. You know, they they got their paperwork. Paperwork just says, "You're right. You know, you have presented your case. You are free to get into the country and start working, as long as you report back to your court date at a specific time in order to present your case moving forward." 
And both of these people were, they were working construction and they were just, all they were doing was living in an apartment with five other people so that they can save up as yeah. much money as they could to bring their family to the border. And I was in contact with them because they were looking for, for a home for, mm-hmm. for, for their family once they got here. I say that because most of the people that are arriving now aren't even from Mexico. Oh. You know, they're, they're from Venezuela. They're from, from South America. Cause mm. if Me- Mexico at least is bigger and has a, for as much as we talked about how the corrupt, how much, how corrupt the government is in Mexico, there at least is oh, like, more stable than, yeah, it's way more yes. stable than the countries that are Brazil. In, yeah. 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 So that's why a lot of the people, you know, there's only one way to get into the States if you're coming from the South and that's through Mexico. I think that is a, a glimmer of hope is because, uh, I know Mexico does have an economy. Mm-hmm. It's not a third world country. Mm-mm. There is branches of government. There is a, um, though there's probably a lot of sellouts within it. There is a, there is a military. Yeah. There is a police force. Um, you know, they have, you know, uniforms and funding and, um, you know, allocation of money. Um, if you, so, so, so that is the, the, the silver lining with, with Mexico and it's, um, you know, abundance of corruption is the moment uh, you get, you know, a couple people with order, mm-hmm. uh, the tools are then there. You know, you're not uh, like <coughs> Somalia or yeah. Afghanistan where, you, you know, you're working from nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how do you build a police force? That's not, you know, I mean, at least there, there is a, 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 a force, yeah. a, a, you know, people that yeah. are, that are employed. Um, and again, ju- and I, I just want to be clear. Uh, you know, to be fair to to how honest and transparent you're being, like I don't think there's a solution. Oh, yeah, I there's just because the question would be like, hey, what's the solution to a two party government in the in the you US? You think on your deathbed there will still be problems in Mexico? Oh yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. There's no way. Mm-hmm. There's just no. Again, it, it'd be like asking in the states, like, how do we get rid of, of the poverty line? You know, being where it's at, mm-hmm. we can try. I've never met someone more cynical than me. people i'm always being called the the cynic um no no i never met someone more wow and i and i I say that you know again go hearkening back to what i mentioned earlier i don't think there is a practical flesh and blood solution to it Hmm. because that's not the point right as far as especially as being people of faith the point is in this world you will have much trouble but take heart i have conquered the world right that's Jesus way of saying like in this world, there will always be the tension of how does a broken world, uh, ache and cry out for the wholeness of holiness. How it's only until the fullness of redemption comes. And until then we, we are, our best tool is to be able to look at death in the face and say, where is your sting? You know, it does, it doesn't matter if, it, it you know one of my favorite quotes. I'm not a reformed dude. I used to be, but one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther is: uh, He was once asked, "Hey, if you knew you were going to die tonight, and, and and you know, and be in paradise with the Lord tomorrow, what would you do?" And his immediate answer was, "I would go and plant a tree," hmm. because it's the you know the idea of like heaven is not some some galaxy far far away heaven as as the word of god has described to us heaven is god coming down and taking back this earth yeah it's here they get jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is among you it's right here yeah um 
and so Luther, you know, Luther is just pointing and saying like, this will be yeah. redeemed. It will be restored. So take heart. Like this isn't it. Um, death is only just, you know, death is only just a door that we have to go through to get to the other side. Jesus went through it and he came back and said, it's not that bad, you guys. Yeah. One, um, I guess we'll, we'll end it here is, uh, one thing that's been, um, rather hard for me to talk with other people about is the attribute of the justness of God. Mm. Um, you know, we say he's perfectly just, um, and then in the same breath, it's like, oh, if you're the dude on the island, you didn't know Jesus, well, you know, kick rocks. Um, I hear it's rather hot where you're going. Um, you know, I was watching, um, you know, I remember I was with my, with my friend, Jeremy, we finished watching, um, all quiet on the Western front. It wasn't your lady. Uh, it wasn't my, this lady of mine. (laughs) And, um, we watched all quiet on the Western front and, um, you know, he was sort of mentioning how troubled he was of just, man, what happens to these, these people, mm. you know, and, and it's, you know, cause they're old people, you know, they're yeah. older, you know, they're not children yeah. and they, yeah. they, they, you know, grow up in a developed country and, um, you know, but there's, you know, in the middle of world war one, there's not really much time to explore your faith. Um, I sit and I, I'm not a universalist. I don't think all roads go to heaven. Mm-hmm. I don't think all religions are worshiping the same God. I don't. Um, and I believe there is a hell and I believe, uh, people go there. I believe uh, there's, you know, more than what, there's more than one person down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, cause, cause I could, I could hear a lot of people you know, when you say, you know, oh, death, where's your sting? Well, it stings hard for the people that die at the hands of cartel members mm-hmm. and their families. And then, you know, not even to mention how many of them are saved. And uh, to that, I, I give half of it. I, I, I do, um, believe we need to take action practically um, to, to do, we need to put effort into the southern border. But as far as you know, unsaved and, and people that are spiritually lost, uh, Jesus spends explicit time with the impoverished, with the, with the destitutes, with the widows, with the poor. Um, no, no, no telling how difficult their conversation is. Uh, they probably didn't have much time to develop the, you know, this great Jewish spirituality. Um, where are they? Well, yeah. the if we're going to say God is perfectly just, uh, you know, no one gets to heaven that doesn't need to be in heaven, and and, and mm. no one gets to hell that isn't supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, our conceptions of logic and reason and uh, morality are perfected through God, and um, there is no question of. Well, well, we'll be dissatisfied with how God has this all set up in the end. Uh, I'm not using that as a cop out, but as a as a as I a, believe it, yeah, as a comfort, yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent, yeah. Well, I think to wrap up and I just yeah. to give because uh, I, I love what you had to say, and I could see how someone could say like that was a, that was a lot in a sandwich that I don't know how to digest. Um, pastorally, I, I I hear what you're saying, and my my understanding of, of God um, and, and how he's revealed himself to us is his word says like not wanting any to perish. Yeah. Right. Like he, like that's the idea is like, how can, how can God be a just God and people still perish? He doesn't want Eddie to perish. Yeah. He does like, that's, 
it doesn't start with, hey, you're going to go to hell if you don't come here. <laughs> it's your destiny is with me. Your destiny is with me. And I don't want you to go the other way. And I will do anything and everything I can. Um, uh, you know, I, the, I can't remember the, the, the I'm embarrassed that I can't remember <laughs> the, the book, the, the letter that starts off by saying like, oh, Hebrews. Hebrews starts off by saying, you know, at one point God has spoken through so many different ways. And now yeah. here is his word because we cannot just categorize God to, did you, you know, did you get the Bible track that said, here's the plan <laughs> of salvation? Yeah. <laughs> we can't do that. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's plenty of people who are being saved uh, in the Middle East right now and through different areas that, that don't, that aren't as developed as, you know, as the Western side of the world. They're, they're coming to faith in Christ because they had a dream where a man dressed in, in, in white spoke to them. Hmm. And there's so many testimonies of that. Hmm. And we don't have a category or a box for, yeah. I saw a vision, I saw a dream where a man dressed in light came to me and said that that he he was my, that he was God and that I needed to come to him. I think I saw a TikTok of one though. And I, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, because these testimonies are pouring into you know our side of the world now, our side of the globe. Uh, but all that to say, he does not want any to perish. Yeah, he he's you know he gave up his of himself so that all would come yeah. to the recognition. So I love what you said. Nobody who is going to be with the Lord in His presence in heaven, you know, no one, everyone who's going to be there is going to be there. Yeah. That's what it is. And no one who goes to hell, you know, is somebody who, who God says, like, man, we just kind of flubbed that one. Yeah. Like, we didn't know how you... They don't you... have two processing yeah. centers <laughs> yeah, in Nebraska exactly. and California. That's a, that's a great way to wrap this up, yeah. Yeah, well, um, just thank you for um, your input. I mean, yeah, the situation on the border is so much more gray than I think people understand mm-hmm. it. Um, I don't think open border or closed border or a, a freaking wall um, is going to do much. And in the, you know, to go against what I said, I don't think drone strikes are going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you start on the community level. I don't know if you start, you know, liquidating people in the government. It's, um, I said I wanted to end on a happy note, but I'm, in retrospect, it's just, and to know it extends further south than Mexico and to know it extends, you know, here, I don't even know. There's probably people in Montana that feel the the ripples. 100 percent of this. It's probably not just yeah. you know. It's probably not just you know the southern states. Yeah. Well, uh, Abraham, I am grateful for this. You've been um, you've been a, a pleasure to have here. Um, I feel like I laughed too much for the <laughs> professional atmosphere. I'm trying to. I didn't think I would. Nah, dude, this <laughs> is great. This, much, this is great. I said I wanted organic, and this was yeah. this was organic. Um, I think there's still so many topics I want to talk about with you and the situation with, with Mexico and you know, how we do things here on the home front. So uh, I, I doubt this is going to be the uh, the last time. And I certainly, you're certainly more literate on being a pastor. And, you know, we didn't even get to talk about, you know, the uh, political affiliation mm-hmm. of people that come here. Mm-hmm. You, know, you mentioned to me the once that uh, yeah. you, know, you get people, they, you know, Mexicans and um, they, they get their citizenship and, they start flying the Trump flag. Oh yeah, uh, so, you know it's like Jews for Hitler. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, like it a, sounds like a joke. It sounds strange, like a joke, but it's, it's true. It's yeah. like a meme. Yep. And then, but then I saw that that Instagram reel, 
And the guy said, yeah, I'm switching sides. Side, yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll save the, that, um, comforting podcast for, for another time. Thank you for being my first guest, dude. This, I loved this was it. Awesome. I love, I love being here. Thank I'll you. I'll bring for... rum next time, dude. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you. Take thank care. Thank you. We'll see you later.